This is Tom Fox. Welcome to a special five-part podcast series, Integrity Matters, Culture, Training, and Compliance, sponsored by K2 Integrity. Over this podcast series, we will break down corporate culture, compliance training, and communications. Topics include breaking down the big picture on culture, espresso shots of training, skills development and regulatory changes, tailored and risk-based training, and operational aspects of training. In this five-part exploration, I am joined by Kobe Bambilia, Managing Director at K2 Integrity. With more than 15 years of global experience with complex Bank Secrecy Act and anti-money laundering compliance, sanctions programs, and regulatory enforcement actions, Kobe helps financial institutions meet the challenge of complying with BSA regulations, OFAC, and the Patriot Act, and assists those facing regulatory enforcement action. He helps financial institutions adhere to regulatory consent orders that mandate review and enhancement of AML compliance, BSA, OFAC, sanctions, policies, and procedures. He implements remedial actions and helps companies comply with consent orders that mandate transaction monitoring program lookbacks. I'm also joined by Tina Rampino, Associate Managing Director at K2 Integrity, where she manages and oversees multiple financial crimes compliance training engagement with the firm's global clients. During her career, Tina has developed extensive experience managing the training elements of regulatory remedial efforts for financial institutions under critical enforcement orders. Prior to joining K2 Integrity, she was the Vice President and Head of Compliance Training at Commerce Bank AG New York Branch. She was also Vice President of Compliance and Communication. In this episode four, I'm joined again by Kobe Bambia for a discussion of tailored and risk-based training. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have back with me Kobe Bambia, and he's Managing Director at K2 Integrity. And today we're going to take up what I find to be really one of the most cutting edge topics in compliance compliance culture and compliance training, and that's tailored and risk-based training. So, Kobe, first of all, uh, welcome back. Thanks for having me again, Tom. Pleasure to be here. Kobe, in an earlier episode, we learned about espresso shots of training. In our past episode, uh, you mentioned that uh, in the context of bite-sized training. So I really wanted to get your take on why do you feel that this uh, very focus-centered yet bite-sized form of training has become uh, more important and perhaps even more useful in the compliance training arena. So we touched on this, as you mentioned a bit in the last episode, but getting ahead of regulators and ensuring your institution has skills-based training is critical. Let's give some examples. Teller and private wealth management managers have different needs. So do those in the back office. You cannot have a blanket training without follow-up trainings on specific job functions. Tellers will need to know more about cash transaction and regulatory requirements such as CTR and pouch activity than someone who works in the corresponding banking department. The latter, on the other hand, will need to know more, for example, on red flags for nested account. Another example I'd love to give is when FATCA, the Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act, became effective, private bankers, especially foreign financial institutions all around the world, 
had to be trained on the matter and be more vigilant and aware for detecting tax evasion. Trade finance department's employees will need to know more than others on sanctions and embargoes. So we can see that each group requires its unique training. And since every institution has a different set of risks, institutions should understand that one form of training cannot fill on institution. One key term that you mentioned in the beginning, and we keep hearing for years from the regulators and from best practice approach is tailored training program. The key word over here is tailored. It's a key element, a universal one, regardless of the institution's size, risk, and resources. Uh, Tom, I would like to share a story with you in the audience. Uh, one time during a regulatory examination, uh, an examiner told me that he looks at training as if it was a burger. I, I, it took me a second, I told him, what, a burger? Like, how come, what do you mean by that? So then this examiner told me that some places serve all clients the same exact burger sandwich, meaning you choose meal number one, and it comes with one patty, one slice of tomato, and two slices of pickles. While other places let you build your own burger, you decide what's going to be in your sandwich so it will fit your specific taste. And the allegory or the metaphor, if you like, is that you cannot simply say, I have one or even two models of training which fit all. You have multiple departments in your institution and therefore each one should be provided with specific trainings which is relevant and necessary for them to carry out their duties and roles, of course, on top of the board generic one. Uh, so needless to say that after the conversation with him, Tom, I got very hungry, but it also demonstrated to me the need to assure proper and tailored training throughout the institution as a whole. So you mentioned a couple of concepts in there I'd like to, to follow up on. Uh, the K2 Integrity client base is as, as deep and broad as any uh, consulting company I'm aware of. And you have large in international financial institutions uh, down to community banks and, you know, everything in between. Obviously, the training needs are going to differ for that scale and size. So how do you help um, really come up with the, the right balance? And if I could lay on or overlay with another question, uh, January 1 of 2020, we had the, uh, 2021, Congress passed the AML Law of 2020. It was a massive revamp to the Patriot Act and the Bank Secrecy Act, and it applies to all financial institutions. So how do you uh, overlay something that everyone has to know about down to the community bank level, but then also have appropriate level of training for a community bank or you name the international bank that's in 50 different countries. Great question, Tom. So first and foremost, you must know the risk profile of your organization, where your blind spots may be and what exposures may emerge. After all, with tightening budgets, increasing regulatory expectation and growing number of risks, compliance team at financial institutions, in all financial institutions, regardless of their size, face big challenges. And these challenges, along with the difficulties caused by the shift to remote uh, working during the ongoing pandemic, 
highlight the need for institutions to remain focused on ensuring their staff is well-trained and building a comprehensive culture of compliance. Uh, building this should be based on the type and pro of products and services your institution provide, and that's really a key element to distinguish between the different sizes. So again, type of products of services. So if we'll take some of the previous examples we gave, uh, you may not have corresponded banking accounts in, at your bank, meaning that your bank does not provide banking services to other financial institutions. And in this case, of course, correspondent banking-related training may not be relevant. The same if you do not deal with cash, like some of our clients, which are investment institutions. Then there is little you need to train your staff on CTR, pouch activities, and transactions involving armored car services. Now, as risk changes and new threats emerge, it is important to equip teams with the skills to manage them. These changes can be triggered either by a new regulation, as you mentioned, or by new product or service that the bank wants to provide going forward, or even due to a risk you were not even aware of. Aware of. Uh, therefore, I highly recommend having regular ongoing communication with the field, as I call it. Don't just stay at the headquarters and send email. Go visit some of your branches and some of your departments. Not all, of course, as this will not be feasible, but it's a good practice to visit a new location on a quarterly basis. Tom, I can tell you that I did that, and you will be amazed with the number of valuable insight and data you get from these visits. Also, encourage people, your employees, to speak and ask questions, not just during training, but even more important, when executing job functions. Uh, even have a specific email address for that purpose and responsible staff to answer these questions. And last but not least, if we go back to the culture of compliance that we talk so much about, it has to start from the top. There's no question about it. If, you're, if your board of directors and senior management understand compliance and it's important, it will sit all the way down. Board of directors and senior management should also understand the risk within the institution and receive their own training. I can tell you that in almost every examination and audit I went through, I was asked to show what training these two bodies have received. So could you um, give us some examples on uh, perhaps how you have counseled clients on some of these issues? Yes, Tom, I have a good uh, example which can demonstrate the right approach towards emerging risks. So in July of 2017, FinCEN has announced changes to the CTR filing form, stating that as of May 2018, the BSA e-filing system will no longer accept the existing form and will only accept the updated CTR1 which included some fundamental changes and also significant modification to the CTR batch submissions. Uh, a client of ours understood the importance in ensuring their relevant staff, meaning tellers, operational managers, IT, and compliance, are in full understanding of the new requirements and asked us to conduct in-person training sessions for the relevant departments. We did so, and I can share with you that later on, the client told us that this proactive approach, proactive approach, that's important, 
gain some priceless credit points at the very next regulatory examination, when not surprisingly, examiners asked specifically to review how the bank dealt with these new regulatory obligations. Uh, while it may feel like a heavy lift upfront, it can pay its dividends. And those dividends are not just from a compliance perspective, so you can demonstrate to your regulators that you have implemented the new uh, requirement, but also from an angle of operational efficiencies. You're ensuring that your operation and IT know what to do going forward. If they know what to do, that will save a lot of pain and effort on their side, but also for you as a compliance officer. Uh, and maybe another example I can share is FATCA, which I mentioned before, a massive regulation which was imposed mostly on non-use financial institution and had really tremendous impact on almost every aspect at the bank's operation. And one of the challenges I personally faced, Tom, is how to introduce a 500 plus pages of new regulation to your employees. You can't simply send it and tell your employees to read it. And even if they did so, I don't know how much will uh, sink in, if at all. So one of the many endeavors we took, which connects to what we have discussed earlier and we called the espresso shot, was to create animated video clips of no more than 120 seconds, which jumps into the employee screens once a month. And while not interfering with the daily work, because as I said, we made sure it will be no longer than two minutes. We got really good feedback on how they made the new regulation more manageable and understandable. So I guess my point is that there are many ways and methods in which we can make the knowledge our employees need to be more accessible and friendly oriented. Toby, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this podcast, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted uh, any more information on any of the topics that you've touched upon or more on K2 Integrity's compliance training offerings. Where could they go? So to learn more, please visit our website, k2integrity.com, or find us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, Tom, I want to thank you again for having me today. It was a pleasure talking with you. I hope our listeners will join us for our concluding episode next time where we look at operational aspects of training. Kobe, I look forward to continuing the conversation. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode four in this special five-part podcast series, Integrity Matters, Culture Training and Compliance, sponsored by K2 Integrity. I hope you will join me tomorrow for our concluding episode where I'm joined again by Tina Rampino, who reviews key operational aspects of training, including budget delivery and much more. For more information on K2 Integrity's training offerings, please check out their website, www.k2integrity.com. This special five-part podcast series has been a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.